we uh, we talk about all the news that's fit to print, as as we do each and every week on this here podcast for you people. Yeah, we were just talking about the news that is not fit to print before we came on air, not telling you what's going on. Um, so how how and where are you? I'm currently in Los Angeles. Uh, I'm doing very fine, thank you very much. I'm my uh, penultimate day in California, and I'm heading home to Blighty tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Excellent. It'll be nice. It'll be nice to have you back in the country. I'm sure the country awaits my arrival. Yeah, there's no there's no bizarre constitutional chaos happening while you're away, just in case you were worried. Good, good. Well, fine, well yeah. I was kind of worried that I wouldn't be able to get back in the country. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We laugh about these things now. In six weeks, we won't be able to laugh about them again. Um, so, anyway. Uh, a load of St. George's flags appeared up the road from me, and uh, there's been a lot of discussion in the neighbourhood about whether they're Rugby World Cup or Brexit connected. It's hard mm. to, it's hard hard to, to tell sure sometimes, isn't it? Is. Yeah, I haven't yeah. watched any of the Rugby World Cup because, well, you know, I don't watch egg chasing, but I, I may suddenly become a rugby fan if England are about to win. It'd be funny if England win two World Cups in one year. That's, that is really quite extraordinary. Could happen as well, apparently. Apparently, they're good at rugby. It I, appears I, I, to be. Yeah, now, should we talk about real sport? Let's do it. Norwich, never mind World Cup semi-finals. Norwich City versus Manchester United in the Premier League. I sat down at quarter past four on my chair, turned the telly on. I was already, I was planning to go and make a cup of tea before the game started. And when I turned the TV on, they were doing a pre-match interview with Maurizio Pochettino. I was like, what's happened? Um, and then realised, of course, very quickly that United were only playing at 4.30 in Norwich on a Sunday afternoon because we are so bad. We're in the Europa League. Not because we are beloved, so therefore our very ordinary matches are on TV. Yes. The sad state of affairs that is Manchester United at the moment. Um, but, 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 we've had some positive results since we last talked. I mean, the uh, the performance against Liverpool, which obviously we covered last week, a, a win away yeah. on the road against Partizan, followed up in quick succession, like buses, with another win away from home. And more than one goal. So the the partisan game I didn't watch because I was working, uh, because we are on telly at a time when people are commonly working. Um, so so yeah, missed missed all of that apart from the last three minutes. I think. Uh, tell 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 me what happened. Was it was it a a, a swashbuckling game where we were unlucky to only win one no, 0 It was abysmal. I mean, I think I think the thing is, this, this was classic United this season, struggling, really struggling to make actual chances, and and certainly struggling to convert them. So it was pretty poor quality game against a pretty poor quality side. United had a lot of the ball, uh, were pretty comfortable in that uh, possession, but really didn't create. I mean, I think it was more than 60 percent possession for United, but it was all in front of Partizan. And and it's just you know it's, it's the problem United seem to face against teams that don't don't want to have the ball you know and and uh, this is broken record stuff but definitely much better in situations where we don't have the ball anyway um, Oli lined up with three at the back again much as uh, against the the Liverpool uh, the previous weekend um, played a few of the kids which was nice to see so. Uh, Youngster called Marcus Rocco played in defence. Don't know whether you've heard of him. And there was another one called Phil Jones, who was actually quite good. Um, but yeah, more, more seriously, um, Jesse Lingard, teenager Jesse Lingard, made his comeback from injury. 
<laughs> but James James Garner, Garner right? played. He was um, okay. I, I don't think he was really at the same pace as someone. I, you know, I, like, and why would be he? How 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 much did he actually play for United so far in the first team? Not much. That was his first start, wasn't it? Uh, Brandon Williams, on the yeah. other hand, he I mean he just looked super super comfortable. I mean he kept bombing down that left hand side. One United the penalty with a sort of driving run into the penalty area. I thought he looked very comfortable. I mean as as he does, he's just. He's technically very good, Brandon Williams. He's got all the components to be a very good left back. And he should be considered now. I mean, Shaw can't stay fit. Ashley Young is, what, bad at football? Just generally has been for the last five, six years. How many years? And and Williams, I think, in this game, put a performance in that says, you know, he, he is going to be able to make a step up. Yeah, and, and there was nothing in that Norwich game. I mean, you you said it when the team came out, William should be in this team ahead of Young, and there was nothing in that Norwich game which should convince Solskjaer that Young deserves a place in this team. I was just disappointed that James Garner didn't put in a maverick performance. Because <laughs> yeah, no, the, act, the famous it, actor, I, It took Garner, me a couple of seconds in... to get on with that one, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's one one for the 20-somethings. Um, uh Making references that are older than us when already our baseline references are really old is probably a mistake. Um, the it is nice to see Garner playing in that game though. It is it's nice to see Solskjaer. I mean, it's clear that the Europa League is way, way, way down yes. on the priority. Well, for list, now, I mean, if, if United and, gets through and into the knockout stages, it's going to become a big priority very quickly. I'd say because I think the chances of United actually making the top four are pretty slim, aren't they? So this would be the best route back into Champions League football, which means an awful lot to the the bean counters and and in fact the development of the club. You know, better players, you know, attract. Um, in theory, if we're willing to pay for them, um, higher quality players and push the club forward. So um, we'll see. But I think if if United get a reasonable draw in the knockout stages, because I think we can expect United to qualify now, um, and and we get to say the. Quarter final is it last sixteen last thirty two quarter final? No, yeah, it's thirty two first. Thirty two sixteen quarter final. Wow, it's a long competition, isn't it? But if we get through, say one or two yeah. more rounds, playing a mixture of people, I think it will suddenly become a very big priority. Yeah, um, but for now the league remains a priority, and I tell you what, we will get top four football if we keep generating zero point four five two xg per game. Um, all right, so 1.5 of that is penalties. But still, I reckon if we generated three XG per game, we'd have a pretty good chance of getting into the uh, into the Champions League. Unfortunately, we won't play Norwich every week. Um don't know if you know this, but they are not that good defensively. Not, it has to be said, as bad defensively as poor old Southampton, who uh, have joined Ipswich Town as being on the receiving end of 9-0 losses. This one, though, not against us. Um, quite remarkable scenes on Friday night as Brendan Rodgers Leicester continue to prove that they are actually yeah. a team. But United, for for big parts of that first half, I thought Man United looked like a good football team themselves today. I did. I mean, kept the ball, created some chances. I, I do wonder, I, I, there are slim chances for Norwich to stay up if they are going to be this open every game. And like They've got some good players. Uh, Cantwell, Aaron's, Puki, who started the, the season scoring goals, but it's all dried up for him. Um, but they're just all over the place defensively, like just not not compact at all. Um, they must have seen how United play against 
many other teams and they just didn't follow the rule book at all. And and that's got nothing to do with them trying to attack because actually United had a lot of possession in this game and were very comfortable moving the ball around. Uh, and the two centre-backs from Norwich were just... Um, so Godfrey and Amadou, uh, I guess Amadou spent a lot of the second half injured, didn't he? But they're just not together. Uh, and United were able to exploit that pretty ruthlessly got a couple of penalties one of which was interesting one of which which took us back to paris i guess um but this this was a good this was a good team for united to play we're not going to be playing teams who are this open every week sadly but maybe this gives some some of our strikers who have been short of confidence a bit of confidence yeah i mean uh, it's great in fact that both of our strikers recovered from potentially quite a big confidence knock because we haven't even talked about it so far, but we should talk about the whole penalty schmuzzle uh, involved in this game. So first of all, um, there were two penalties given, one of which I think is up there with the worst football decisions I've ever seen in my life. So uh, just to be clear, what I'm not saying is it's unthinkable that that Daniel James one could ever under any circumstances be a penalty because I don't know the laws of the game well enough to say that. It definitely didn't look like one to me, but that's not the point. The point is when you when the referee gives no penalty and it's referred to VAR, we've been told over and over again all the press all the kind of press blitz at the beginning of the season, it was all about um the bar for overturning referees on pitch decisions will be very high and you have to have a clear and obvious error. And if I'm sat here saying I don't think it was even nearly a penalty, how the the VAR can be sat in his little lorry saying that is nailed on definitely a penalty, I have absolutely no idea. Yeah, I know. And and, and it really is getting quite dull talking about VAR, VAR every week. So uh, in the press, in the TV coverage, on this podcast, on other podcasts, uh, we, we seem to be complaining about it. And I, I just don't know. It's the implementation of it and the inconsistency of how it's implemented is the most frustrating thing. And especially when applied to non-binary decisions. And so the Daniel James one, was it a foul? Was it? I, I mean, I just couldn't, I couldn't tell you whether that was definitely a foul on Daniel James or just a coming together. Or in fact, Daniel James fouled the defender as he was leaning into the defender. I mean, um, and so that's one thing when it's that subjective. And, and when the on-the-field referee says no, and it, as you mentioned, it's supposed to be a high bar for overturning it, I don't know where that decision comes from. And I don't know how you go back and justify it. Uh, and I do wonder whether this leads to some really, really uncomfortable situations down the line. So um, for the... For the 150-odd years of history of professional football, the final decision is left with the referee. In the last 20 years or so, we've had things like violent conduct re-refereed by video after the game. And in the last two or three years, we're now getting re-refereeing in the context of the match. And I think that leads to something pretty significant in terms of it's presented as binary and final and and the ultimate arbiter and we're getting you know 90 something percent decisions right so say fifa because they go back and review them all 
Um, but I think we're going to end up in a situation where that is challenged now by clubs because obviously the finances are really big and large and it can have serious consequences at the end of the season in terms of trophies won or relegation and stuff like that. So it wouldn't surprise me if we don't end up in, in court over some of these decisions just because of the way it's presented. Um, and it's just leading football down a very odd path. Uh, feels like we're using a beta product uh, when... When and we are using a beef product when in fact we should be using something much more mature. See, it's interesting because the second one is is, I mean, in a way, the the second penalty is an argument for VAR, um, the some implementation of it because it's very clear that in the rules of the game or the guidance or whatever it is that it currently stands that that second one is trivially a um defender with his arm in an unnatural silhouette and da 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 and all that kind of stuff that's clearly a penalty and that should have the referee's wrong decision should have been overturned but the first of all that rule only really exists because of VAR so that's questionable in itself but but that first one when a referee on the pitch makes a really bad decision there's all kinds of mitigation that makes it completely understandable and human to do it there's angle of sight there's shortness of breath there's all the different, you know, there's the fact that the stimulus that that referee is dealing with is kind of massive and super intense and all done at a really high physical pace with a high physical toll and output of the referee themselves. This is this is somebody being able to watch that footage over and over again and look at it and say, yes, with all the guidance around needing to be absolutely certain that the, that that it is a clear and obvious mistake, I, I, to me, that decision is among the worst, um, the worst officiating decisions in the history of football. Literally, like that's how bad that decision is. I don't understand how a decision that bad gets made in these circumstances. Well, right, right. So it seems to go against all the protocols, and and yeah, and and that's especially as what I was saying about it. It's being presented as a binary perfect solution yeah yeah which which which, which and, we and... shouldn't be getting this if that's the case and and if they and and i think we can yeah maybe maybe what needs to happen now is is um the premier league takes a step back and they shouldn't do it in season because yeah the rules are just and it's just totally unfair to everyone playing um the game and competing but at some point, take a step back and say, "Hmm, this isn't this isn't right, right?" And the the VAR can be a advisor to the referee, and much like uh, assistant referees are an advisor to them. And but the final decision is made with the ref. Or we go to the Champions League version where the, he has a monitor and it's helping him to make his decision, but it stays on the field. And in the end, we just all accept that. There is some subjectivity to this. It's not perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Um, talking of not perfect, uh, when, oh, when will Manchester United have a player who can score penalties on a regular basis? I mean, I was among the many voices um, baffled that Marcus Rashford took the first one when Martial was on the pitch and then Martial missed one to make us all look the fool as well. Um, so, yeah, really important that they both scored after that because given that neither of them are in super super confident form it was it, it felt very important that they uh they, their confidence was not overly diminished by um 
by Tim Krul saving both mm. penalties. Well, Marcel scored in midweek against Partizan. It, it yeah. seemed a little bit surprising that he didn't take this one. Uh, I mean, there's there's clearly a problem at the club. I thought when actually the uh, video cut to Martial taking the second penalty that um, uh, Ollie said Rashford, uh, and I was like, hmm, oh dear, we're going to get one of those. I thought I thought that too. By the way, I I thought exactly the same thing. Hmm. Yeah, and it just um, because United are missing so many. Of course, this is this is adding to the confusion. Like, who who is the penalty taker? Yeah, is this a skill they're practicing? Because they were both really bad penalties. I'll have a look at the um, the expected uh, goal on the penalties. Um, I haven't done it so far, but I suspect Rashford's being sort of three or four feet inside the um, left hand post will be in the low fifties, something like that. Percentage Marshall's maybe slightly higher, but uh, not much higher. So. Both, you know, pretty poor penalties and neither of them looked pretty, you know, especially Rashford with his run up didn't look confident at all. No, he was trying to get Krull to move, wasn't he? And Krull just didn't. Mm. Uh, Tim Krull, by the way, the fact that he managed to concede three goals in that game is very unfortunate given he made some absolutely extraordinary saves. The one from the Martial header, which I think was before all the penalties borderline miraculous save. I mean, you could argue that Martial should maybe have put it somewhere else, but I think that'd be that's very picky at that point, um, uh, and that so that was yeah that was before the McTominay goal I think, because um, because United basically started to get on top at that point there was uh, there was a moment where Martial and Rashford combined to create a chance for Rashford, um, which was quite wide um, when he when he actually shot but it was a lovely bit of combination play, and then the breakthrough came from a mistake from Campwell who should have probably have put Norwich. Um, one nil up because there was a, a big, yes, big yeah. let off for that with that chance. Yeah, I mean that's pretty early in the game when uh, was it Max Aaron's um, bombing forward and got a ball inside for Cantwell who's what was he fifteen yards out free hit just lashed it over. So um, yeah, big, big let off United at that stage of the game. Uh, but you know I think yeah we can we can take something away from this game because United obviously scored three goals hasn't happened since August. In fact. Leicester scored nine and we hadn't scored nine since the 19th of August. So before this <laughs> game and, and um, it's been just so hard to, to get goals, not helped by the fact that we've missed five penalties this season so far or something like that, or four, is it? It's uh, plenty anyway. Um, and so maybe some confidence. It, it's just this, it, the, the way United play is in front of everyone all the time. Um, yeah. Whether it's playing three at the back and that actually gave United a little bit a few more options um, or 4-2-3-1 where it's just becoming narrow and narrow and narrow. So it doesn't really matter whether it's Rashford or Daniel James playing in wide areas or both of them. They both want to come inside all the time, you know, and fine. It's, it's just you narrow your back four down and you play in a low block, United not going to score and not going to score many anyway because uh, it's just all in front and there's really no one able to sort of dictate the pattern of play at all. And and it's not Andres Pereira. He he just, he cannot impose himself on the game, unfortunately. I think we would all like him to be able to do it. But he's 23 now. He's had two seasons in Spanish football and now quite a few games for United. I think it's not really, um, it's not really jumping to a conclusion that he's probably not good enough at this level. 
um, and certainly not able to to be the creative influence that United really need. No, absolutely. Although, although I thought everyone apart from Ashley Young played well today. Um, Ashley Young absolutely had on toast by Aaron's late in that game um, and generally struggled against him. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I thought uh, it was notable to me that um, that's got to be Fred's best game in the United shirt, I think. I mean, the bar is... Oh, and PSG away was very good, wasn't it? But um, but yeah, I, I thought that, I thought Fred Fred played played pretty well, actually. Um, yeah. Well, look, the balance of the side was good. We didn't have too many players in weird positions. I mean, Fred and McTominay is a kind of interesting partnership in midfield, theoretically. I mean, McTominay was much better. I mean, he's just... He feels like he's growing quite a lot. And mm. uh, he... he he passes the ball sort of incisively. He scored a very fine goal today. You know, took it really cleanly. Um, I, I think he gets around the pitch. He imposes himself on the game. He's got a lot of energy. Um, he, of course, made a mistake or was uh, you know, lost possession for Norwich's goal, but I thought he had a very fine game. Fred should be able to add something there maybe a little more creatively, but that's theoretical because it doesn't really happen with him. No, we just we need Pogba back, and we have no idea when he's going to be back, and that would help a lot. Um, whether he plays in the two or a bit further forward in order to help United's creativity, you know, and then then we might have a better balance to the side, and it's a side that can can push on and score more goals and create more chances and move up the league. Yeah, I mean, I I think this game was extremely important because we've got the run of games coming up that we've got where there's going to be a lot of teams that will defend against us. Um, and so it was really important to get some confidence. And now a word for Daniel James. Again, another absolutely mint assist from Daniel James. Oh, lovely ball. For Marcus yeah. Rashford. Who took, and Marcus Rashford took his goal very finally. Yeah, that's exactly the kind Brilliant. of chance he's been missing quite a lot and takes a lot of abuse for. So it was nice for him but he that he skits. took that very well. And the pass for, for to split Norwich's defence was uh, awesome from Daniel James. Yeah, and almost kind of carbon copy of the Liverpool goal, which again Rashford took really well. James provided really well. There's a there's a bit of a link up happening there in the last couple of games, which is really promising to see. And then some actual source from the the third goal, which was just real nice, real real nice. Uh, my stream buffered about um like stream. Are you watching this 30... game illegally, Paul? Well, how else? Shocking! Did I have watched it? Shocking! Um, the uh, the stream buffered with I think um, Rashford was on the ball or maybe Martial was on the ball about to feed Rashford because there was some sort of one two exchange and it froze and I kind of watched it and I thought to myself I don't think they're going to score here because we've been let down so many times and then no actually nope they interplayed beautifully and uh, and Martial with a with a really kind of just elegant enjoyable Martial esque finish yeah I mean. It- the frustration, I guess. I mean, it was joyous piece of play. It was York and Cole, wasn't it? You know, yeah. carving, uh, this time carving Norwich apart. Lovely backfield from Rashford, who knew where his partner was and just a beautiful dinked finish. That was great. And then comes the frustration that we just get to see that so little. And some of it's the, for the structure of the team doesn't create enough chances in good position. But some of it's the fault of these players. You know, Martial... What is he in his fourth or fifth season with United now? And and we're still waiting for it to happen every week. And he's he's got to stay fit. 
And when he stays fit, he's got to be incisive and he's got to be given the chances. And, and you know, it's it, Ollie's going to need to take a lot of responsibility here for helping to grow Martial and finding a pass and a play which helps United um, create more chances and better quality chances. And then, you know, we're relying totally on those two, like fulfilling a promise that they haven't quite done yet. Although 50th goal for Marcus Rashford for the, for the club today. and. You know, there are not many 20-year-olds that score 50 goals in the in the top five Euro leagues. You know, not not 21-year-olds, not many. And uh, he takes a lot of criticism, um, but, uh, you know, just by the numbers, uh, he, is, um, he is on track. What he has to do is develop and grow. And I think the frustration is that we don't know that that's going to happen with either of them yet. We can't say for certain, but it needs to happen. Yeah, and, and to be fair, Martial returned to centre-forward only at the beginning of this season and is scoring at 0.8 goals per 90 this season. So, like, it obviously it hasn't happened yet, but it is currently in the process of happening with Martial. Whether that continues or not, we, we shall see, because history would tell us that it doesn't. There's, you know, first of all, between fitness and just... but But history also has not given us an extended run of Martial playing through the middle as United's primary striker. Uh, just a very brief aside, talking of watching on an illegal stream, um, Gary Bertels was the co-commentator, which was my karmic punishment for breaking the law, because uh, Gary Bertels, who scored 11 goals in 58 Manchester United appearances, was talking about um, United's misfiring strikers. And I thought uh, both of them have a substantially better scoring record than you, Gary. Ouch. Burn. Burn tools, Gary Burn tools, Gary Boo tools, more like. Anyway, do you think? Uh, do you think? Well, I mean, we've talked about it on the bonus uh, content before. United ex United players now pundits. I don't think we actually yeah, we mentioned Bertels in that no. list. I mean, you'd be quite low on the. Uh, I mean, is pundit? Do we do we include co-coms in pundits? I guess we do, don't we? So. He he used to have a phone in radio show as well on radio on East Midlands radio. Why do we so produce so many pundits. bad pundits? I just think because almost all the pundits are terrible. This is I, I feel really like um at some point you wonder, is it me? Is are my standards too high? Because I don't like any of them. So at that at that point you've got to look at yourself, haven't you? But anyway, uh it's it's a frustrating business watching football on television, that's for sure. Maybe, maybe the idea that somehow people who are really good at football should therefore also be good at talking about football is a fundamentally flawed notion. Yeah, I mean, it's it's rare that non-ex-footballers are included in the panels for punditry or co-coms. Very, very rare. Um, okay, yeah, occasionally, I mean, or, or it's just done as a here's, a, here's the press panel show, rather than yeah. like, including people who actually think about and watch the game. And, and look, and the thinking behind that is, they know about the game and that is very true right you can only get the insight yeah. of what happens in the dressing room and who's thinking about what from players and coaches because they've been there and experienced it and everyone else just just watches from far or gets secondhand yeah. information and and so i understand that but it doesn't add much to the experience when you get someone who who is just not good you know in front of the camera or or behind the microphone and, and you know, there's a, a strong argument to, to, to say that you have a presenter, a journalist, an ex-manager, an ex-player. That's a that then you've got you've got a broad um, 
pa- like broad panel of pundits to discuss it and, and a kind of wide range of different uh, perspectives is the word that I'm searching for, which would be useful in that situation. Anyway, um, so a fantastic performance. Uh, it's a bit disappointing that they conceded late on because it sort of felt like the kind of performance that deserved a clean sheet, apart from that that Campwell um, chance early. Uh, I thought the Norwich lad took his goal very well. Um, well, he did take his goal very well. And, What's he goal? And, Fernandez. 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 Yeah. The Norwich lad. The Norwich lad, in, yeah. Cause, yeah, because yeah, we only play him twice a year, so I'm not committing any of them. On El Hernandez. Actually, don't, I don't um, don't recall having seen him play before, but uh, when he, he did all right. He's very, really, very nice goal. He's really hench, and he's got Wolverine sideburns, and he's dressed in yellow. So when he came on, I immediately like thought of Wolverine instantly. Um, and yeah, he, he scored, so, and he did very well. It was a shame that McTominay... Because I think otherwise McTominay was an absolute shoe-in for Man of the yeah. Match. Yeah, no, I thought he had a very good game. But yes, a mistake there from um, McTominay and, and Hernandez scored with a 0.08 XG chance. <laughs> Excellent. Um, yeah, it was nice to see United scoring with some big XG chances. Um, it was nice. It was just not... I mean, I'm talking about XG only in this case for the purposes of illustrating that United did actually create a bunch in this game. It wasn't just the penalties. It was it was consistently United created decent chances in this game. It's not just a accumulation of shots from distance as it's been so often. There was there was a bunch of chances inside the box, and yep, playing against Norwich definitely helped us. Um, but last week we're talking about I was talking about being worried about going toe to toe with Norwich, um, and it turns out we are officially still better than Norwich. Good. Where does that leave us in the table? Are we are we back up to mid table now? Are we t- are we not top of the league yet? No, seventh. God, that's giddy. Oof. Dizzy height. Moyes Moyes esque guys. Oh, talking of Moyes esque. Mm, Ollie, you never go full Moyes. <laughs> our boy, our boy went absolutely full Moyes in the build up. I'm going to find a bit. Exact... Yeah, yeah. You find find some quotes because yeah, he was a bit like. It's always tough going to Norwich. I hope we are going to stop them because it's always going to be difficult down at Carrow Road. No, it's not. Maybe you're thinking about 1994 or something, but (laughs) yeah. (laughs) I Uh, mean, we're so so, sorry, seventh, 13 points. Uh, That is 15 points behind Liverpool already after 10 games. We can turn that around. There's a lot of games left. Um, we play Chelsea next. It's in the Carabao Cup, so I don't think it's a particularly me. It's away. Um, I wonder, I mean, between, okay, so we play Sunday, and I think that game's on Wednesday, and then we play Bournemouth again on Sunday. Um, so it's an interesting, it'll be interesting to see how full strength aside he, he plays in that Chelsea game. He'll rotate, because I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, and we play Bournemouth on Saturday and Saturday lunchtime. At yeah, that, well, he's way, definitely so. going to rotate then. Yeah, I think we'll see a few younger players. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure he wants to use competition for that. I mean, I would expect Chelsea would do the same because they have quite a lot of young players in their first team at the moment. Yeah, uh, their first team looks like a Chelsea Carabao Cup team uh, and they are doing really well. well they're scoring goals. Like they're doing a... what we can't. They're scoring a lot of goals. Uh, yeah, and... by creating a decent number of chances it's not like they're you know this doesn't look like a bubble that should burst they're 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 playing consistently well and and it's interesting and i I think that's going to be 
a really tough game because you would you'd imagine I don't know where Lampard's head will be at with the Carabao Cup. I mean. Has he got anyone to rotate in or are they all in the first team? No, I mean, yes, he does. And we'll see some of the players that we we he he played in earlier rounds of the Carabao Cup. So, yes, there'll be probably quite a young Chelsea side, I'd imagine, and maybe versus a young United side. I hope seeing more James Garner. I think he'll probably get a, a start and probably Brandon Williams. Well, why wouldn't you start with Brandon Williams? Um, I wonder if Maguire may get a rest. I mean, he played in the yeah, Europa League midweek his that interesting one that his first ever european game proper european game oh. he played in one qualifying game for leicester once um and right. captain united as well um so i think he'll probably get a rest turns ab not sure if he's fit yet so that'll be interesting who uh who gets a chance at the back maybe phil jones youngster that is phil jones will play yeah um and i kind of don't really care what happens because you know you don't I mean, it'd be, it'd be lovely to beat Chelsea in the Carabao Cup and, and the mighty Reds march on all the way to the Carabao Cup final. But it's, it's sponsored by a weird energy drink that no one had ever heard of before they started sponsoring. It's like, it's just, a comp- never has a competition been more immediately devalued than when they started sponsoring them. Uh, yes, um, true. It sound, sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? Struggle to say it. I've started, but but a trophy is a trophy, you know. That, trophy is important. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, to actually get the trophy, you've got to be a lot of teams. Although, didn't like everyone basically got knocked out in the last round as well? Like almost everyone got knocked out, except somehow we got drawn against Chelsea away in the in the subsequent round. Felt a little harsh. Yeah. Um, Just checking out um, the injury table here. So we have Eric Bailly out for quite a while. Pogba. Unknown. It's really weird that they can't give him any kind of date. Matic out as well. Might come back soon. Luke Shaw's thigh injury while he gets his muscle injuries a lot. He's just made of glass, isn't he? Um, But he said not too long away, didn't he, just before this game. Tunzebi has this hip problem. Unsure. Fosu Mensah, another knee injury. Could be out for quite a long time because he had surgery on that one. Diego Dallo, another muscle injury. We'll see. I mean, need those players back. Um, yeah, we certainly do. It, I'm I'm sure neither of them will play in either. Che- none of them will play in the Chelsea game. Maybe Matic will be back for Bournemouth. It seems. Well, if he is, I hope he doesn't. I hope he doesn't play. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, no. I mean, because... that is one of Ollie's better decisions, isn't it? Binning, uh, binning Matic. Yeah. Um. So Bournemouth can be uh probably I think I think quite a different challenge to. Norwich. I mean, not least of which Bournemouth are obviously like a properly established Premier League side now. Yeah, and they're doing um, all right this season. I mean, they're a bit like us, really, a bit inconsistent. Scored not as many as perhaps they'd want because, you know, under they how they've been but, pretty attacking. They haven't scored a goal for a month. Yeah. Um. So they, they, they drew nil-nil with Watford yesterday, nil-nil at home to Norwich the week before that. So that is that is an indictment. If not scoring against Norwich is is the new bar, and then lost lost one nil to Arsenal. Um, before that, they drew two all with West Ham, and then lost two nil to Burton. So the the the, the last time they won a game was the twentieth of September when they beat Southampton away. Um, so they they've been in a really poor run of form. Yeah, interesting because they've actually you know in in terms of attacking players, they've got a lot of players that people want, haven't they? So. 
Um, uh, Ryan Fraser has got a lot of good um, reviews playing on the wing. Um, up front, their lad who I've completely forgotten. Who's Josh, a... Josh King and Callum Wilson. Callum Wilson. Callum Wilson, the one that um, Chelsea apparently want if they uh, manage to overturn their transfer ban, which, by the way, um, the leaks coming out of that one are that they might well overturn their transfer ban and so might spend in the uh, winter window. Um, so it could yeah. be the worst thing that's ever happened to Chelsea, that. Because it seems like the transfer ban is basically the best thing that's happened to that club since... You know, whenever they last won the league or whatever, it's hilarious, isn't it? You know, they've they've had uh, how long under fifteen years, more than fifteen years under Abramovich, just incredible short term thinking, spending the way out of a problem all the time. Uh, wasn't it John Terry's the only player who came through the actual academy in that time? No one else really had a chance. They'd been like uh, acquiring all this young talent from around Europe and shipping them out on loan to various clubs. And it basically it was just a profit center, not a, not an actual route into the first team, get a ban and suddenly all these players and they're getting praise for it. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. So yeah, Bournemouth, Bournemouth started the season well, but they've really, they really have fallen off a cliff and they're actually, they're going to start getting dragged back into, into the muck at some point if they don't, um, they don't turn although there's they they are actually ninth in the league at the moment. Um so so they you know, they're they're currently a long way a long way ahead of it. And you'd expect, given given the absolute dross at the bottom of the league, given what happened what's happened to Watford, um and Well, uh, remember given, when we uh, we talked in the, the season preview about when they would sack their manager, you know, they sacked their manager. Um so yeah. whereas what Watford do, so uh, yeah, absolutely, but that has clearly not worked this time. Um, so yeah, I, 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 you know, we all, everyone knows all the cliches about Bournemouth, and they play nice possession football, and they, they, they create a decent number of chances for their very decent strikers. So we're gonna have to be, we're gonna have to play better to beat them three one than we had to play to beat Norwich three one. I, I do hope that the confidence kind of leading out of that Liverpool game, um, and then. You know, actually, I just think this Norwich winning this Norwich game was so vital, and now and now keeping that train rolling is is just as important. The Chelsea game is kind of a doesn't almost doesn't count, but that Bournemouth game is is so it's so important. It's a ridiculous thing to say, but but it, it really oh, it really is, is for, for momentum. Where... Yeah, one one thing I'd say just looking at the numbers, um, Bournemouth don't create that many chances, and I guess that's why they've only right. scored thirteen goals in the league this season. And uh, they have double the number uh, of shots that's against. That's more than us, right? Hmm? That's more. It's than the us, same right? as us, but we've scored seven okay. of our thirteen goals in two games. So, yeah, um, and one of them a bit of a freak against Chelsea, and this one against uh, a team that cannot defend. Anyway, they concede twice as many shots against as they um, as they take shots, which you know will tell you something about the their inability to protect their back four. Mm. So. That should suit us pretty pretty nicely. Yeah, it should do. I mean, we As take a lot of shots. That... We just uh, we're just not able to take them from any kind of good range, you know. Yeah. Um. So, uh, we're going to do some score predictions in a minute, but before we do that, I guess as is traditional for this podcast, we've got questions, and and I'm going to start this weekend. Oh, you do? Um, Please do. Because I got sent a question with a hashtag on it via WhatsApp, and I thought it was a really good question. Which is if penalties were taken ice hockey style or nazzle style, um, North American Soccer League 
style where running at dynamic on, running at the keeper. Yeah, you get the ball on the halfway line, or let's say like a third of the way in, um, and you've got the ball at your feet and you run at the keeper. Five United players, past and present, who you would choose to not both, but like past or present, who you would choose. And that question comes from at Ben yeah. Glorious. Ronaldo. Yeah. I mean yeah, Ruud van Nistelrooy. Ice yeah. cold. He would score. No, yeah. Absolutely no doubt. He would just score that Fulham goal over and over and over and again oh, without defenders. That, what a yeah. player he was. God, I wish we had him in, yeah. in our team right now. Yeah, we'd score a lot of goals. We'd score a lot of goals. Um, who else would be cool in those kind of situations? Uh, I like Robbo? Van Persie. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Oh, let's take it back. Let's take it all the way back. Yeah. Was it supposed to be Premier League era only? No, no, no. Well, Rob, Robbo won the Premier League. I think Robbo would be good in situations like that. Eric, would Eric yeah. be good? I mean, certainly be calm yeah. about it. He would be, yeah. He'd be fine. I'm not no sure I'd have many so just... of the Class 92. I think Giggsy would be a bit flaky. Skulls, yeah. don't, he doesn't run with the ball. Skulls ever. would just try and... He would just try and chip the keeper from where he got the ball every yeah. time. Yeah, Bex oh, might him. be good. I mean, he, he strikes a yeah. nice ball. So, yeah. yeah. Bex would be good. It's it's the kind of what skills do you need? Do you need someone that's just going to sit the keeper down every time? Composure, um, in which case, yeah, composure, ability so, right. to make decisions quickly, control of the ball because you don't want this getting away from you. you. Don't know, you know, control the ball while running. Yeah. All right. So Ronaldo, Van Nistelrooy, George Best. <laughs> um, because I I think like genuinely George Best. You've plus he's actually done this. In he's played in the NASL, so he's got the experience. Um, I'm having Eric because if there's a list that you could put Eric Cantona in, I want to put Eric Cantona in it. And um, last place, last one. Did you did I say Robbo? I didn't say Robbo. You didn't say Robbo. Oh, Bex, you didn't say, yeah, yeah. either of them. No, I love, I love Rob, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, good. There you go. I'd like to see that. that I, I think it'd be fun. Yeah, I'd definitely. Lost the game. I wouldn't like to see it, but yeah, it'd be quite, be kind of fun. Tarek Amir, friend of the show, says, "What are your thoughts on United's policy of deliberately choosing not to score from any set piece whatsoever? The Corinthian spirit <laughs> truly lives on." I mean, I did think at one point Rashford did the right thing by uh, backpassing that penalty to the uh, keeper. You know that one in the Bundesliga too, where the 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 substitute just like was yeah. a millimeter over the line. I didn't know that rule and... existed. Me neither. Um, but the fact that that striker took that penalty like fully to try and score a goal is an absolute disgrace. Oh, that to the is, yeah, no, spirit, he, he shouldn't have way. done that. He should have just rolled it back to the keeper. So there's that one, and the the other one that went around was the one in the Croatian league where the ball was hit the post, but the team thought they'd scored and were celebrating, and the other team runs up the other end and scores, which was a bit on the mental side. Uh, I I think I watched that clip about ten times before I worked out what was going on. Yeah, because it just looks it looks so much like the ball's gone in because of the way the goalkeeper hits the net at the exact same time that the ball, I think, hits the post. Um, so it's, I can I can see why that happened, but it was pretty crazy. Mm. Um, but yeah, um, I, I do think it is admirable that we refuse to score from set pieces. Surely, the thing, the other thing is our corners in the last couple of games not been that bad. It's not been no, that we old created thing some chances like today, every... didn't we? You know, McTominay had a good yeah, chance. Ex- McTominay scored from the second ball. Martial should have scored, but well, for a miracle flying save, yeah, yeah, 
So, yeah, so I, I think it's not that the usual story in recent seasons where our set piece has just been really bad. I think there's there's a bit of a, a, a bad run run of the green. Mm. All right, a couple of questions here on a similar theme. Football Nugget says, how good is Anthony Martial? And Martial FC, I see where you're coming from there. So it seems like Martial might be crucial to success. Who'd have thunk it? Who'd have thunk it? I mean, well, I I think he is. I think he's United's best number nine. Now, it doesn't mean he's perfect, but he he should be playing at number nine if we're going to be playing in this 4-2-3-1 system. And much much as I think uh, Marcus Rashford does have a future as a... As a striker, I think Martial is a better number nine and he's going to suit us better. Um, and Rashford yeah. can create a lot of chances coming off the left, even if he doesn't really want to play there. Yeah, and so I don't can think Dan James, by them... the way. So, you know, and I think that we should also consider whether Rashford might want to play off the right, even though he doesn't want to do Ooh. that. I don't know. We've got, I can consider it theoretically, but I've seen it happen and it's never, ever looked pretty. Um, I don't think Rashford is particularly good off the left. Uh, but nor is Martial, really. They both do things well. But I do think this is the best balance that you can you can get from our current squad. And I, I mean, the, one of the things I said on the TIFO podcast, which was that, which was recorded kind of before the Liverpool game. So it was at the height of like United in full crisis. Um, since then, we've played three, drawn one, won two um, and conceded two goals. So, you know, the crisis has briefly averted but missing Pogba and Martial is absolutely massive and nobody was talking about that whatsoever in the crisis thing it was all just you know Rashford's not good enough United are not good enough and and Martial's a vitally if we are going to be any good Martial has got to be very good yeah that's right or we need to buy another forward and of course there's still a lot of gossip surrounding Timo Werner um, who's a very very good player I uh, I did like the fact that Kai Havertz was um uh, linked with United this week and uh, potentially a huge bid. He's um, he's a player who can play up front or in in the hole. He can play in midfield. He has done it, but he's he's better in forward positions. I really like him a lot from what I've seen. Really, who, who was that? Sorry? Kai Havertz, um, Bayer Leverkusen, German, young okay. German player. Yeah, really, really, really talented player. Um, anyway, anyway, going talking about midfielders. Dan four three seven three six three seven seven. Hope that's not your phone number, Dan. <laughs> Because uh, you're getting, <laughs> you're going to get a few messages if it is. Um, why do people dislike Scott McTominay so much? He's made a mistake, but he's still learning his trade. Um, yeah, yeah, he's not a YouTube player, is he? He's never going to be one where he looks good with a bunch of clips and stuff like that. But I actually think I, I, he's no. I reckon if if you clip up McTominay's most saucy moments and put the right Euro beat to it, it's going to look pretty good, to be honest. I look. I think. For a player who's been uh, in the team, what, for basically a year? Yeah. Um, he started a lot of games, this, all of the games this season, basically. I think he's matured a lot. You know, the, the fair criticism of him a year ago was that he made no progressive passes whatsoever. And it was always, always safe. And he, he wasn't imposing himself on the game. Apart from his mistake today, he was he was a man of the match. He, he was above anyone else in the Manchester United side was the player... It was dictating how United were playing. You know, he gets himself about. He's not really a defensive midfielder, but he's winning possession. He's making forward passes a lot. Um, now, a lot more than he did. He's scoring goals. Maybe, maybe he should be taking the penalties because he feels like a, a player who's cool <laughs> under pressure as well. 
Uh, yeah, and I think the answer to the question of why people don't like him is that um, he didn't... There's a sort of subculture of cool in, in a kind of... He's not a cool player. He's not... Uh, he... He wasn't one of the cool kids in the academy. He wasn't one of the, the, you know, the ones to watch with loads of technique that people pick out. Um, so, so there's that working against him. And there was the fact that he was so functional. And, you know, we, we still don't know what direction his career is going to eventually go in. But for now, it's going in the right direction. And he is exactly, once again, like I've, we've talked about with Rashford so often, he's exactly the kind of player that it is mega depressing to see the United fan base in general react poorly to because this is what this club is like we're not just about automatic natural superstars we are also about bringing through homegrown talent and supporting them to become the best version of themselves you know so uh, one interesting thing on McTominay though he said this week I think it was this week he said still quite often in touch with Jose Mourinho so Mourinho's got a little little mole manager's player of the season (laughs) <laughs> oh dear that's just ah uh, right whole bunch of questions here uh, along a theme why does Ollie keep playing young says Pelusa's oldest and there's a bunch of others I, d- I just don't know actually I mean I, mm. I know Shaw's injured and I mean we never I just I have no faith now I'd really love to be wrong but I have no faith that Shaw will turn into a, a top class left back um but now we've seen the emergence of Brandon Williams. I mean, you've got some talent there. You have, to, of course, you have to protect it. Of course, you have to not burn the player out. But is he going to do any worse? I, ju- I just don't think so. Absolutely, I, I, it's, it's a strange decision. I suppose he just does not want to gamble on a player as young as Brandon Williams, and he perceives that young has some leadership, some beneficial effects on the on the squad of being in the team. Um, you know, we saw after the first goal, Young had everyone in a huddle and was talking to them. Uh, to me, like whatever benefit you're getting from that is being outweighed by the the negative contributions. But that's that's the only thing that I can come up with as the answer. I mean, th- there's always like the theory that he can contribute in the attacking phase of play because he used to be a winger. But I, as I mean, we do not have to have the Ashley Young numbers conversation again. But you know, he, he he has not generally done that and he doesn't now. In fact, the play often breaks down around him. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I can only assume it's a sort of leadership, squad balance, age balance kind of issue, but, but it, it looks like the wrong decision from the outside looking in. All right, a couple more, a couple more. Uh, have you ever seen Daniel James and Lionel Messi in the same room, says James? <laughs> And, uh, on Twitter. Uh, look, I, I think it's um, it's fun, but he's growing, isn't he? You know, and and uh, uh, another one along the same line. Dupreet Singh says, "Does the show apologise for labelling Daniel James as the new Bebe?" Yeah, my fault. Yeah. That one, my fault. He is he is far better than Bebe, and he is growing quickly as a player. Um, evidenced by his assist today, which is just an absolutely beautiful ball. He works really hard going back as well, and he's always dangerous going forward. The other, one thing I'd say is I don't think he's he's got a beautiful assist today. I don't think he's got a lot of assists this season, and he seems reluctant to go on the outside. He wants to come on the inside all the time, um, which is which works really well when he's playing off the left because he, you know, as we've seen, he he does have a good shot on him, and he's composed in those situations. 
works less well when he's playing on the right or he's cutting inside on his left foot and he then has to lay the ball back, basically. Um, yeah, a friend of the show at AB5Y um, messaged me during the game to say, is Daniel James the best winger in Man United's history? <laughs> and I said, well, he's definitely the best wealth winger in Manchester United's history. So, uh, No, yes. I mean, he's 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 he is playing absolutely out of his skin and he has been for most of the season and he's looked really he struggled in the games where teams have sat down sat back and you know defended deep and blah 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 blah. yeah you know we know we know all of that stuff but 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 um, he's he's united in a microcosm in a way because without space to run behind he's much less of a player so he's there's room for him to develop and there are things that he does have to develop if he if he's going to be a sort of really top player yeah uh three goals and two assists so far this season I mean, that's that's above what any of us would have expected probably sure. by this yeah. point in the season yeah. from him. So. All right, last one. Um, Elvin Raffiff says, what's our best 11 currently? Like, imagine everyone's great. fit. What would you play as the best 11? Great, great, great question. Um, I think in goal, I'm going to plump for David Hair. Who, by the way, worth a mention that he is actually having a good season. Like, not an amazing season. A couple of good so saves nice today. To, yeah. It must be so nice for him to feel a sense of, some degree of protection. So I will go with uh, this is like best 11 with with a with a little eye on development. So I'm going De Gea, Wambasaka, Twanzebe Maguire, um Williams, Pogba, McTominay. Mm, no, this is horrible, but I'm going to go Fred, McTominay, Pogba ahead of them. And then Rashford on the left, James on the right, Martial through the middle. I don't, I don't know how Fred is in our best eleven, but I think he, I think, I think having Fred and McTominay behind Pogba, yes, I mean, is probably the best option. I, I, th- I think that's right. Yeah, I, I think I'd be pretty close to to that eleven. Yeah, um, just because United need Pogba's creativity, and and I don't care if you don't like Pogba and you think he wants out of the club and you don't think he works hard enough or any kind of nonsense like that, his xG. XG chain, XG chain assist to be super nerdy, but his creative output is world class. And if you don't yeah. like that, you're wrong. <laughs> yes, agreed. Um, so yeah, um, but I think I think I mean I think there's also an argument to say that you somehow shoehorn someone else in at number ten. And play Pogba just so yeah, you don't have to don't, play. We Fred don't have options 11, when, when Matter exactly. is, is not able to do it at this level anymore. Andres Pereira, we've seen an awful lot. I mean, the other option could be to, cause I, and I actually think this might work, but no one's actually tried it. Is to drop Marcus Rashford a bit deeper, um, because he played a lot there when he was younger, and I do think he's mm. actually technically very sound, you know. And then you then you think about what the other options are to play in forward positions. Although we don't really have anyone who can play off the right naturally. No. No, exactly. So, yeah, the, uh, that's our sort of vague theoretical best 11 at the moment. But it, I think one thing that it shows is that this squad is very clearly a work in progress. And you know, it's been nice to see Solskjaer adapt a bit and play some different formations and get a few, get some decent results on the bounce. Because I, I still hold on to the dream that he might know what he's doing. Although it is getting further and further away all the time. What, what do you think about the... I, uh, we're going to have to talk about it at some point. What do you think about the window? I mean... We c- it could give United a real boost to bring a couple of players in. I mean, I, I think it's 
if we are in any way trying to be a serious football team, we've we've absolutely got to bring players in. Yeah, in this and window. it would be a central midfielder and a, a striker or a forward of some kind. A ten. A, a, a I mean, ten would be wonderful, in... but a, or yeah, a, or uh, a deeper midfielder so you can push Pogba forward. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and if you, I don't know, uh, we need a right winger. We need someone who can play off the right, but I think we need that less because Dan James has actually done not that bad there, and he seems to be adapting to that role a little bit, pretty like reasonably well. And given that we've got a lot of multifunctional forwards, um. I think it's more important to get a 10. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I, That's I would, kind of like why I was excited and... about the links with Kai Havertz this week. Also linked with Thomas Muller, who hasn't scored 20 <laughs> goals for about five seasons now. And that would be a, a really bad purchase, I think. But um, Havertz would, uh, you know, he would he would be very nice in this team. Anyway, probably not going to happen. Madison... He's going to go to an actual good club like Bayern or something like that because good young players go to Bayern. I saw a big Madison talk again as well. Yeah, and, 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 and he would be, he would fit in yeah really well. I mean, he plays he's been playing a lot deeper for Leicester, but he just creates so many chances. He's got to be that's got to. There's no way Leicester, who are flying and a very realistic prospect of getting into the Champions League, are going to sell us Madison in January. Like that's that would be that's not. And they don't need to. They're, they're a no, they're exactly. a well-run club that doesn't need to sell. They'll sell when the players want to leave. And as we yeah. saw with Maguire, they will demand a mega premium. Yeah, which is fine. Like I'd play, I'd pay a mega premium for Madison in the summer happily. Well, that's what it's. We are Manchester United, and we generate more revenue than any other club on the planet. And if you take away the debt repayment and the and the dividends paid to the Glazers, we are the most profitable club on the planet. We should be swinging our f- massive dicks around and buying all the best players. Big dick energy. That's what we need. Just a bit of toxic masculinity for you there. That's right. <laughs> um, all right, great. So uh, talking of toxic masculinity, is that the end of Twitter questions for the week? I think so, yeah. So we've uh, right. and we've talked about Chelsea a little bit and Bournemouth yep. a little bit. Uh, and anything else yep. on your mind this week, Paul? No, just got to do some predictions, isn't it? So I'm going to predict a 2-1 loss, I think, to Chelsea. I think that they're, they're, they're in a stronger position than it's away at Chelsea and we're not going to take it that seriously. Um, and then I'm actually going to predict a 2-0 win Oof. um against Bournemouth. I think we're going to win that game of football. I think we're going to go to we're going to go to the Three south coast away gonna... wins in a space of 10 on days is what you're predicting. Well, yeah. oh, cuz we're going to lose to Chelsea. Wouldn't be on the bounce. Yeah, but... yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, no, I, I think I think I'm flying with the glow of that triumphant smashing of Norwich. Yeah. Um so, yeah. Great. Well, I'm going to predict two all uh, against Chelsea and we win on penalties. <laughs> How are we going to... Oh, we just did win a penalty shootout as well, which is really yeah, weird, given... And then given um, I'm going to predict uh, a 2-1 win at Bournemouth. Bournemouth do create some chances and score goals. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Well. But, All right, know, lovely. Going away from home and uh, winning four on the bounce, I'm predicting that's ridiculous. Uh, I mean, you predict... I mean, the number of games we would have won in, in a row in the last number of years if, if your predictions were... Yeah, exactly. I predicted um, the occasional loss. Occasional. Yeah, you've probably... You have probably predicted about 10 losses. I am the Mark the Lawrence of, uh, of podcast pun- punditry, aren't I? Yeah. Hey, yeah, do you know absolutely. what I did this week, Paul? What did you do this I week? I went to a party in which Kenny Loggins... <laughs> 
<gasps> Pink, the Foo Fighters, and the Who all played. And do you know how far I was from them? How far? About six feet. That's crazy. Was Kenny Loggins the best of all of them? Kenny Loggins was actually pretty good. He did mostly country. I mean, he played Danger Zone, Footloose, but it's mostly it was okay. mostly kind of country stuff. Pink was really good. Was I don't really just, like Pink, but um, was everyone just shouting Footloose? Play yeah. Footloose when he's playing country. Pretty much. Um, and then uh, the Foo Fighters were great. Really yeah. enjoyed them. And then the Who, well, they're all very old, but they uh, they yeah. played all of them, and uh, it was good. My ears were ringing for quite a long time afterwards because I was like basically under the. The big, uh, the big speakers, and then Did some the dude. Played? It was a charity event. Some dude, a very small one in someone's back garden. I mean, literally someone's back garden. <laughs> um, and then um, some dude paid two hundred fifty thousand dollars to drum with the Who. Teenage Wasteland. He was pretty good, actually. I mean, I could think of some things I'd rather spend two hundred fifty thousand dollars on. I mean, if you got it to burn, then probably like if you've if you've got two hundred fifty thousand dollars to spend on drumming with the Who, you've probably got everything else you want already. <laughs> Let's face it. Um, he looked very he looked very happy with his, uh, and he went he went to a cancer charity, so you know it's uh, it's good use of money. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all fine. It's not it's not as if the combined wealth of the people in that room could wipe out cancer pretty quickly if they really put their minds to it instead of throwing big pies. Um, the the Who, uh, did they play like a long set? Did they play? Oh God, yeah, played forever. This this thing started at a six and went on till like half 11 at night. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. How the other 0.0005% live, eh? All right. Indeed. So, well, uh, talking about 0.0005%, uh, our 0.0005%, uh, we'll be playing Chelsea and Bournemouth. Good luck to the boys. I guess we'll record next weekend after the Bournemouth game. Yeah, after after the Bournemouth game, absolutely. And talking of the 0.05%, um, Patreon backers, stay tuned for bonus content um, coming up now. If you want to back the show, you can do at patreon.com slash rankcast. Um, and every week we do a little bit of bonus content, which um, for those of you who do that, will be coming up next. And everyone else, we will see you after United have marched on to Carabao and Premier League Cup glory. <laughs> <laughs> Premier League Cup? All right. We'll see you then. It's been a long day. See you then.